morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, and welcome to the Full Focus Entrepreneur Podcast here in the Emerald Office. I am joined today by Jay Smack, who's going to introduce himself and give you kind of the background on who he is and what he does. Yeah, cool. Well, I came to this world of sound and podcasting and broadcasting, et cetera, et cetera, through music, actually, from as far back as I can remember. Just absolutely loved music, was infatuated with it as a small child. The fact that you could make sounds and manipulate them and they could speak so many languages, you know, emotionally and otherwise, but basically elicit a reaction in people and speak to people. And uh, actually took a shot at the world of professional musicians. Was in college for a couple years and uh, left college to uh, pursue a music career, but I, I always had the logical side of my brain. And something in the back of my mind was telling me, you know, this would be great, but there are other parts to this business that you would enjoy that you're missing out on. So I sort of married the two. I went back to school, uh, continued to play music, but got into broadcast journalism. And I, I just always loved telling stories. I, I initially pursued a journalism degree because I loved writing as well, but really gravitated more towards the music side of it. So I started getting involved in college radio stations. Uh, when I went back to school, I was at VCU and became the general manager of their radio station and just loved communicating with people through music. So after college, you know, continuing to play music with bands and, and you know, hook up with people and, and make music and improv and things, but uh, pursued a career in broadcasting, got into radio in the Richmond area and loved it initially, but wasn't so keen on not necessarily the business side, but the fact that we weren't able to make decisions about our own programming in our own community, it was being handled by consultants. So that when I started to sort of evolve within the business of broadcasting and, and telling stories, and I keep saying telling stories because I went from radio to uh, the advertising world, to being a copywriter and producer and helping businesses tell their stories and tell who they are. And then I ultimately landed in post-production, which I absolutely loved. So I'm in a studio. I have all the equipment to play with. Editing and sound design always appealed to me. It's very much, it's more aligned, I should say, with music because it, it was very musical in, in the cadence of how you edit and again write copy and manipulate sound for people to to tell their stories post production involves a lot of uh creating the sound for the video slash visual impact and i love that i love sound design um, yeah as a matter of fact if you've ever if you ever had say headphones whether they're wireless or regular headphones and watched a movie it's so much more of an immersive experience Kind of like when you go to one of those IMAX theaters and it's just, they've got the really good surround sound. Exactly. I mean, it's funny. My wife and daughter will laugh at me because they'll walk into the living room thinking that everything's super quiet. And it's me sitting there with my wireless headphones watching a movie on the TV and the rest of the room is silent, you know, but in my head, it's exploding. So um, after a number of years in post-production, I just wanted to try some new things. Um, I had been, like I said, editing and sound designing and, and working with sound. Still in radio, always always loved the medium. I, I had a local music show for years and years, still do, but it's a podcast now, and kept my hand in radio because I love 
dealing on the local level with the community and being a musician and its local music, immersed in the local music scene and, and exposing new talent. And that was always a great thing for me. But ultimately got out on my own and started doing freelance production. So I'm doing freelance production. I'm doing more voiceover. I'm doing a lot of voiceover these days. And I'd always had this idea. Well, I say always, but I made my radio show into a podcast just to avoid the possibility of having it taken away, basically, because a radio station, right. you know, they're decisions are pretty quick and without warning so they can flip the format or take your show away yeah, from you. Yeah, funding and creative all that. Yeah, exactly. So, I was like, you know, I better put this thing on a podcast as well just in case. So, it had been a podcast for a number of years when that day finally came the radio station, you know, we're changing the format of the station, uh so we're getting rid of all the programming. So, it was already a podcast. So, I enjoyed podcasting very much. I love the uh unfiltered nature of it. You can really realize your own voice. You can have who you want on to to help tell their story. Uh, so that really appealed to me. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to help a bunch of people develop their podcasts? So after going away from, you know, working for other people and going out on my own, doing production and voiceover, I started helping people produce their podcasts and working closely, not only uh, on my own, but with a, a studio here in the Richmond area called Red Amp Audio. And they had been established for years as a, a musical production house and, you know, doing post-production and things of that nature. And they had had John Cleese come through town and he was doing a performance, a one man, actually, I think it was with uh, Eric Idle when they were, they were touring together, but he has a podcast, a really cool podcast. Uh, I believe it's centered around history, but he's working with people back in England and he needed to communicate with them. Uh, so he came to Red Amp one day and said, I've got this podcast I, I'm producing. Can you guys help me? And they helped him. And the light bulb went off for them as well. And I knew right. those guys for years were in the same world, you know, recording, et cetera. And when I went out on my own, I went to them and said, how can we work together? And we both said, what about podcasts? So so you're kind of their podcast guy now. In, yeah. In yeah, right. <laughs> so that very circuitous story led, led me to, I guess, coalescing all these various loves, which now includes podcasting. It's just cool that you and I are sitting in two separate rooms mm -hmm. um, in different parts of the state communicating creating something and of course you can do that with radio too but radio there's very much more of a the lights go up you're on don't screw it up there's a little bit of that <laughs> to podcasting but it's just it's much more primitive is not the word but it, it, it's more raw it's more casual yeah it, it's definitely more casual and it's it's more real and you just you know you've you've seen all the podcasts out there on itunes yeah. and, and everywhere you get an idea you fire it up and you sink or swim or you or you even sink and keep doing it. It's up to you. It depends <laughs> on what you're looking for. So I wanted to talk to you specifically about why podcast is such a powerful medium because, and I think that's something you've kind of led naturally right into. I personally have a theory that it's because of that, like you said, watching a movie with the headphones on. There's an aspect of podcasting that is kind of right in the ear of someone as though they were leaning over your shoulder and whispering this story to you. And there's an intimacy there um, and a focus on that one sense. It's not, you know, a movie that's got multiple senses, sound and light kind of bombarding you. It very much is a single sensory experience that is intimately close to you when you hear it, when you listen to it. Oh, absolutely. I think you nailed it. Um, it's intimate. It's personal. It's one-on-one. -on -one. It's like when you're listening to your favorite music. Maybe you're lying on your bed, maybe you're running, maybe you're at the gym. It kind of doesn't matter, but 
You are mm-hmm. in that world. Yeah. You are in that world and consumed by it. Even when your mind wanders, your mind can wander when you've got headphones on, but it's it's different. And, yeah. And podcasting for, you know, the host or co-host or whoever you're listening to, it's so personal. It's one-on-one. You almost yeah. can't wait to run and tell somebody about it because no one else is listening to it at that moment but you. I think podcasting is interesting because so much of entertainment, historically entertainment has been a very, very communal thing. You know, going way back, you could take it all the way to like the Greek plays, you would go as a huge group, but even, you know, movie theaters were group activities and more and more both with Netflix, but especially with podcasting, it is this very individual, very personal thing. You know, we've all got our earbuds in and we can all be listening to different podcasts. So it's taken this to something that it shared with a huge group to something that you feel like you're really only sharing with the hosts, with the people you're listening to. Yeah, that's very, that's very true. It is very personal and you take ownership in it, especially when you really find, and I think most people, the stats say, listen to about seven podcasts at any one time. And then there's a few more that kind of come in and out, but there's a core of three, four, five that you absolutely have to live without at any one time. And then there's a couple more, and then there's some in the wings that you're constantly yeah. experimenting with. But ironically, I'm a bit of an introvert. You know, I, I like time by myself. I like, like I said, I like to write. I like to mess around with music by myself. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's very personal to me. I love going to see live music, but I do not like crowds. You know, it's always something that, you know, I want, I would want to go see a huge band. But I was like, do I want to deal with the traffic? And the, some people like that. Some people get a charge of it out of it. And that's great. But podcasting lends itself to exactly that kind of experience where it's personal, it's intimate. We keep going back to these same words, but that's exactly what it is, which is also why it's such a great tool for businesses because you're speaking to one person. So you're not, you're not casting your wide net at at any one moment, but it's so personal that if you have a business podcast, whatever it is, and people identify with it, there's almost no conversion process. It's harder to reach people, but it's easier to quote unquote convert them or have them be- become customers. Right. Once you've got that buy-in of they sat down and they're listening to it, they've taken time out. You have kind of a captive audience and you can talk. It's almost you know like that sitting down for coffee with someone has a very high conversion rate for a lot of people because it's that one-on-one interaction. And podcasts, in some ways, simulates that a lot. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that is great about podcasts that you already mentioned was how much more flexible it is than something like, say, radio. How it's it's really, truly a blank slate. Anything that you want to have a podcast about, you can have a podcast about. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if you can think of something, it's probably out there. Yeah. And if it's not, you know, you can make it happen. It always amazes me, all the great names that people come up with for their <laughs> podcasts. It's almost like a band name. You know how people are like, well, that'd yeah. be a good band name. It's like, oh, that'd be a good podcast. And, you know, when it comes to what do you businesses. What think is the best one you've heard? <laughs> the, the word I come back to for businesses, it's just like online content, is value. You know, if you're giving, uh-huh. people, and value can take any shape or form. It can be you can touch someone emotionally. They could intellectually take something away from your podcast. Literal value, you know, if it's information and they can make turn it into something they can monetize, it's value that way. As long as they get value from you, they're going to stick around. Absolutely. Let's talk about, because uh, we're kind of naturally leading into using a podcast for your business. And that's kind of what I want to focus on for a good bit here. And I think the biggest question that people have is sort of, 
when should they create a podcast? When is a podcast useful for someone's businesses or, or for what purpose? Well, again, it goes back to, to value, I think. And this is, I, I guess I'm leaning that way because this is what I help people do is produce their podcasts. And usually they say out of the gate, you know, I don't know what I'd talk about, you know, or I don't, I get nervous on mic. And I totally understand that. But with a podcast, as you and I have already done, we've been sitting here talking for what, 10 minutes or so or more. <laughs> and you can take any tiny little point, like for example, say it's real estate, it could be foundation repair. It could be landscaping. Mm -hmm. It could be interest rates. It, I mean, anything, paint, who knows? I'm just, I'm just riffing off the top of my head. But if you give sure. subjects and, and information to people that they can find value in, then you're, you're good. And uh, I tell people, once you start doing this podcast, once you've got an outline of, you know, how you're going to do it, how, how long it is, how often you're going to do it, the name, all that stuff that you don't have to worry about. Once you've decided you're going to see everything through the filter of this podcast where you say that would make a great minute, that would make a great episode because you only, and you probably only should, I was going to say you only have to, but you probably only should talk, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. You can go as long as you want, but how long can you keep somebody's attention and how long will they find it valuable? But 15 minutes on, you know, tips of landscaping to increase the value of your home when you're putting it on the market, that's plenty of time. Or you could do a part one or part two, but. Absolutely. One of the best podcasts I listen to is less than 10 minutes. It's like seven minutes a day. And I get a ton of value out of it because it's a quick, you know, while I'm doing a quick task or while I'm on a short car ride, those short and sweet ones can often be the best. And it's not that hard to fill 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And when you are about to listen to that podcast, you, you probably know that you can get it in as opposed to yeah. like Joe Rogan. I like Joe Rogan, but his three hour podcasts, sometimes I'm like, Oof. I can't even start. I can't even start yet. You know, or it's a commitment. <laughs> it, it's totally a commitment or I'll go to his YouTube page and watch the two minute clips or something like that. But mm -hmm. you know, three hours is a lot to invest. So your kind of recap, starting a podcast for your business should be about if there's something you can use to add value to people, because it's that value that's going to keep drawing them back. And then as you draw them back, you're introducing more people to your brand, you're furthering relationships, all of those things. Yeah, totally. And, you know, aside from the actual content of the podcast, although I guess it's considered content, when you create it and you put it on your website or place it somewhere, whether you link it to your Facebook page, you are giving people so many opportunities to interact with you. And yeah. the keywords inside your podcast, even as audio, uh, the show notes, you know, iTunes and other platforms frown on keyword stuffing. So you, you can't do that in the title and the description because they'll catch you and they'll flag it. But all those opportunities, you know, like a business says, we've got to come up with content. What do we do? Somebody do a quick video, somebody write a blog, somebody do a webinar. A podcast fills all those needs immediately, you know, a couple or a few times a month. Absolutely. I was talking to somebody about why I have, because I have a YouTube channel, a podcast, and a blog all for my business. And that's because creating content is enjoyable for me and also really useful for my clients. Um, but they were asking me why I bothered to have all three. And I said, because I really like video, but sometimes I don't have the time for that. Sometimes I just want to sit. You know, I don't want to have to get ready for the camera or get the right lighting or, you know, deal with all of those things. There are fewer variables, but the same amount of intimacy in the podcast format. 
Totally. Totally. And like you said, if you don't have time for the video, you can shoot your podcast over to your YouTube page with a static image. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, you know, flag as many eyes. People don't necessarily stop and listen to video. It's not a terribly effective way of using YouTube, but it's there. And if you didn't have time, there'd be yeah. nothing. I mean, if you had time, there'd be something there. And it's better than yeah. nothing. Absolutely. And even a video podcast is somewhat easier to produce than a kind of pure format YouTube video. Because uh, when you're videoing, you know, you interviewing or you talking on your podcast, it's a lot. People are expecting less dynamics. You know, they're watching the video because they want to see your expressions and your hand motions and all of that. But they're not expecting, you know, transitions and B-roll and all of that. It is still a much more simplified visual product that it, people do like to watch video podcasts. Yep. Yep. Totally. And if you're giving people that information, if they're, if they're searching in a search bar on YouTube for something and your podcast happens to be supplying it, even a one camera image in the corner of the room with a conversation, if you're giving them that, that information, they're going to stop and listen and, and get that information from you. Let's talk a little bit about the how of podcasting because um, people often think it's either they're either like, eh, whatever, it's super easy or they think it's really, really complicated and it kind of falls somewhere in the middle. So what would you say are the prerequisites you need for creating a good enough podcast? Obviously, if somebody wants to go for an amazing tier production value, they should look into setting up or working with a studio like the studio you work for. But what about kind of the homegrown podcast? What do you need to start out both in the tech world and in the like, what do you need to have out on paper ready for you to go? Well, I'm a little partial. So I'll give you my version, but I'll also yeah. throw out the caveat. I'll throw out the caveats and when you don't really need it. And one of the things is a good room. You know, when it, it seems like it, people don't often think of that because they throw a couple microphones up in a room and it does. It sounds good. It sounds good enough. But um, when your production value is a little bit better and you're not getting a bunch of echoes and, and the echoes I'm talking about are like when somebody takes an iPhone video or something like that from about 10 or 15 feet away and the audio is fighting itself because it's bouncing off the wall and coming back into the phone and it gets annoying and you can kind of only deal with it for a little while. So if you have a decent room and basically all that means is a room with some furniture in it some bookcases if you can just something to kill those reflections um but yeah a lot of textiles no big blank walls yeah if you can avoid it but like you said you know if you've got a decent mic and you're up close to it that minimizes a lot of that but that's the audio guy in me you know <laughs> getting getting granular but basically the needs you can follow it through the audio chain which is a microphone uh, a decent microphone which you know you should probably spend yourself somewhere from 50 to 100 bucks if you can spend more great the better mic i mean the, the best recordings are good performances in front of a good mic in a gr good room it's pretty simple but then mm -hmm. uh, a recorder of some sort you don't have to have a bunch of software um, you're going to have to have a little bit of software to clean it up and edit it but uh, just the recording you could if you had to record it directly into a recorder upload that file directly to your podcast host if you wanted to so when i talk about a recorder something like a zoom h6 or something like that's a handheld recorder mm -hmm. for people who yeah, are a handheld recorder and i'd recommend running running the mics into the the uh, mic inputs rather than just holding the built-in microphones um, which also works but then you're introducing more new noise from the room and of course, headphones. You don't. You want to limit the the feedback and the and the slapback of of 
depending on how you're recording. These are all kind of technical things, but really just a, a microphone, a, de- a couple decent microphones, a stand, you, you know, because if you're holding it, you definitely mm-hmm. introduce the possibility of bumping it or something. And a recorder, if you can get recording software, even better, just record straight into whether it's something free like Audacity or something, if you want to invest a little bit like Adobe Audition, then you can work your way up into, say, Reaper or Pro Tools. And then you're talking other outboard gear like interfaces. But that's, like you said, you said just to get up and running. That's really all you mm-hmm. need is a decent microphone, a stand, a recorder, a nice room, you know, a place, a designated place if you can. You can go mobile if you want, but a designated room is nice because you know what you're dealing with each time. So I've heard it said that having a really kind of good room, um, generally people recommend something smaller and like you said, got stuff in it, having a quiet place. Some people have said that that's more important than a higher quality mic. Would you say, again, not for perfection, uh, but for adequacy? Yeah. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I would agree with that. As yeah. a matter of fact, if you take the extreme cases of both, say you walk into a, the, the, the fanciest studio in your town, fanciest recording studio with treatment on the walls and no parallel spaces and all that stuff, and and a cheap mic, say twenty five dollar, um, maybe a Samson uh, little dynamic mic, and these are all things people can can look up to see what they look like, and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've seen those. So a cheap mic and an awesome room, and it will sound great. But a great mic and a terrible room will just make good audio quality, but a terrible recording. I have a confession to make. So my first episode of this podcast that I recorded, I recorded it in the fanciest sound booth that I could get my hands on in our town and uh, in Norfolk. And I was really worried that I was going to mess it up. So I put my uh, phone, I just have a Samsung on the table and recorded a voice memo because I was worried I was going to like delete the audio that I was bringing in from, you know, through the interface into my computer and all that. And I ended up doing just that. I totally screwed up the kind of official audio I'd recorded. And the podcast episode that is up is my phone recording it, but it's in a sound booth and it sounds pretty darn yeah, it good. Pretty... Not amazing, yeah. but good. Yeah. The voice memo software in the apps on phones is not bad you know it, they're probably more compromised by the uh, the actual microphone on the phone but in a good room it mm-hmm. sounds pretty good yeah what would you say for kind of that on paper stuff what do you have to have figured out before you hit the record button i'd say that first when you do your homework to start a uh, a podcast you're going to want to have your best practices all covered you don't have to, but then you're going to have to deal with that eventually. But if you can get that stuff out of the way, that would be the um, requirements on the various platforms. For example, when I say platform, I'm, I'm using those terms interchangeably. They're not really in- interchangeable. You've got your your hosting, which is a, uh, a Libsyn or a Blueberry, a company that will take your audio and allow you to distribute it. And they'll also give a home right. to the audio so you're not using that bandwidth. It's where it is on the yeah, internet exactly. physically. And where it is is it's not that actual physical file is not living on your website, you know, taking up resources from from your website bandwidth. But then so you want to take care of your hosting and once you get into your hosting and I like the company Libsyn, I think they're the best. That's who I recommend to my clients because once you get the file up there in your episode, you can write your notes. You can shoot it to your social media. It's a one-stop shop. It takes a little while to get into the guts of it and figure out all the stuff that you need, but they'll basically walk you through it, which includes uh, the album art for uh, iTunes. And iTunes is the 800-pound gorilla. Spotify is doing really well, and Google's catching up as well. But iTunes has their own, and I say iTunes, it's now Apple Podcasts. They're kind of sticklers about that. But um, (laughs) 
they have they they kind of set the norms and then everybody follows. So once you get all that straight and it's just revolution uh, resolution like a fourteen hundred by fourteen hundred square image, all that little stuff and what you're going to call it, how your notes are going to be, get all that stuff out of the way. And now let's say, assuming all that's done, you're doing your podcast. The notes and the outline to have would be uh, some sort of opening. You know, whether it's hi, welcome to my podcast. You know, something to say. Um, yeah. in the beginning, just to get yourself in. So in this episode, guys, that's when I say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. <laughs> right. That's my canned intro. And you'll hear the canned outro at the end. Exactly. Exactly. Plus, it, you know, it's a mile marker for your listeners. They know what to expect. They know we're heading in now. Mm-hmm. They can relax, um, all that stuff and navigation points. Um, and then some sort of bullet points. Some people script it out. And if you want to do that, that's absolutely fine. But you can tell every single time when somebody is reading and it's it's impersonal and it's kind of off putting. So I would recommend bullet points. And, you know, as you navigate through each one, I would keep an eye on the clock. You know, if you've got a time limit for yourself, you don't have to. If you're Joe Rogan, you can just let that thing go. And it's as long <laughs> as it is. But but have a, uh, an area, a landing zone you're aiming for. Yeah. Yeah. It, it also gives you a feeling as you're having the conversation of how it's evolving and whether you're going off on too many tangents, uh, losing people's interest. But, um, you know, you need to have a, a, an idea of, of where you're going. And obviously in any interview situation, even if it's just you, even if it's just you talking, because sometimes it's just a person sitting there, Mm -hmm. it's not an interview, but you still need to be listening, you know, especially for an interview an interviewer. Listening is so important. Even if it takes you off somewhere you hadn't planned, it becomes more interesting if someone makes a good point and you're able to seize upon it and it grows. Even if if that's just you, if something came out that, or you had an idea, maybe go with it, you know, go with your gut, but always kind of keep it within some sort of navigable lanes, if you will. But that's the main thing. You know, I would have an idea of where you're going at all times and and, an idea where you want to go. What other do's and don'ts would you kind of want to highlight that you see, you know, the do's, the great things you see in a great podcast episode and some of the like, oh, crap, they did that. Their whole podcast episode is not that, you know, that's trash now. What are those do's and don'ts? Um, Well, since it's such kind of a, a wide open, wild, wild west format, I don't think there's a whole lot that you absolutely can't do aside from not, again, prep, a little bit of prep goes a long Mm -hmm. way, you know, going in and and a lot of people, there's a lot of podcasts out there that call themselves like the, you know, talk about nothing podcast or, you know, and and it's people who are excited and there's no problem with this. You can do anything you want. It's just whether you want to captivate listeners, you know, who just want to fire up a microphone and, and play with the recording software, which I totally get. People who it's fun, but yeah, you know, having they literally want to listen to themselves talk. <laughs> right, right. I mean, but you, but it's best if you do have a theme. You know, if you have an idea of where you want to go, and as we've said several times already, there's a podcast about everything. You know, if you want to talk about, you know, equine health, I mean, there's probably <laughs> a number of those, and I don't know anything about it, so it wouldn't make any sense to me. But I might find it interesting. But the do's would definitely be, you know, have yourself a theme if you can and yeah. and a format format is absolutely not essential you can wing it every single time but if people come to expect an interview give them an interview if they want to hear you do movie reviews 
do the movie reviews and don't, you know, start doing restaurant reviews unless you call it the movie and restaurant review podcast. But just some simple yeah. things like that, just an idea of where you want to go and don't completely um, don't completely alienate your audience by confusing them. People want to kind of know what they're signing up for when they they go to listen. You know, they want to know what to expect, um, you know, to turn on a podcast that always makes me happy and discover that they've switched hosts and are now doing a totally different thing. And then my kind of happy 20 minutes I was going to spend listening to my favorite podcast is ruined because it's not what I wanted. It's not mm -hmm. what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. There's 800,000 of them out there. You know, people, people give you so much time to, to wow them. And going back to there's 800,000 out there, I heard somewhere that podcasts that don't go anywhere, it's usually because somebody that because the person creating the podcast gave up and they said that seven episodes was like this benchmark that there were, you know, thousands and thousands of podcasts that never made it past the seven episode benchmark because people had given up. They'd either not gotten enough traction or they'd gotten bored or they discovered it was too much work. Why do you think people fail and how do you think people who are out to create a good podcast can be consistent and can kind of stay in the game? Um, well, I think it depends on how you define failure, but I think when people start a podcast and abandon it, and that's a really good point because there's, uh, we mentioned 800,000, but I think there's like 450,000 active ones or half a million active ones. Right. A lot of them are out there just taking up space and names, I might add. If you search for a name that's already, yes. you, you know, if you search for a name that's already been taken, but nobody's doing it, you still can't use that name. Um, mm -hmm. and, and like we said, names are hard to come by, but I would exactly. say that they find it's more work than they thought, you know, and you got to really love it or be interested by it. I think you need to stay curious about what it is, what subject it is you're talking about, whether it's a subject or a theme or something wider, whatever you're talking about. I think you need to stay curious. And I had a mentor one, one time and she said, lean in to what you're passionate about. You know, whatever, whatever it is within that endeavor, lean in to what got you into it, whether it's justice or creativity or something interesting or, you know, health, whatever it is, you really got to be into it to keep going and finding newer and newer nuance in it. But I think when people get into a podcast and abandon it, it either doesn't come out the way they had hoped, or perhaps they don't find an audience. Um, finding the audience, I think, is more work than anything else. The mm -hmm. doing of the thing probably takes a few hours a week or so. Actually promoting it and keeping it current and putting it out there and engaging with people and, and finding guests, um, that is all the work. And I think some people just say, eh, I tried it, not in it for me. Um, and they just move on. And I think it's also kind of work in a vacuum, at least at the very beginning. Very few podcasts launch to an audience that already you know, snaps it right up and they've got hundreds of listeners right away and can have that feedback and back and forth. A lot of podcasts you have to start and know that, you know, your mom's going to listen and a couple people that you send it to are going to listen, but you're going to have to build that audience up over time. And so it can feel like shouting it into an empty room until you've built that audience up. Totally. And you know, that's a good point. And that's sort of a, almost a self self-fulfilling thing in that you find that you're not finding your audience. When you first fire it up, you're like, man, everybody's listening to me. Um, and maybe that's mm -hmm. your goal. Maybe it's not, but you have this perception cause you have headphones on and are talking into a mic that the world is hearing you right now. 
and then you go and check your numbers or get some feedback and you find that maybe five people engaged with it and you get a little dejected. And then as you start doing it episode to episode, you're just sitting there thinking I'm talking to myself. And some, you know, sometimes that's enough for people. Sometimes people just want to go through the exercise of doing it. And to jump back to when we were talking about businesses, businesses often, if they ask, how am I going to monetize this? The easy answer is you're not, you know, this is there as a tool and a platform and a means for you to be found, whether people seek you out and find you or find you accidentally. But if they find you accidentally and see that there's a history of consistency there, they go back and listen listen to some back episodes. That's when they sort of get impressed and they see that you're dedicated to this thing and that the quality is decent and, and that you just haven't given up on it because it didn't provide immediate returns. So I think it's that people find it's not all it's cracked up to be, even though it can be fun. But you got to find, you know, you got to find the fun in, in it and lean into what you're passionate about. Absolutely. I want to wrap us up with the question that I ask everybody, and that's about bringing it back to focus. How do you stay focused on creating these things that you want to create and helping other people create the things that they want to create and, and stay efficient and focused in doing that? Well, for me, quite honestly, it's that's an easy question because it's why I got into it and honestly why I got out of radio. And it's not to say that the endeavor is completely altruistic. There's a means to it, a means to an end, and that is to not only promote causes, but the, the reason it's easy for me is because I wanted to try to reach and help people, you know, with the, the local music mm -hmm. focused uh, podcast and radio show, I didn't feel like I was helping any local musicians, independent musicians on the radio, other than the one or two that were almost big enough to tour, but not yet. And the labels had an interest in them. But what about the hundreds of other, you know, artists that I was engaging and interacting with who would not have their telephone calls answered by radio programmers? I wanted to help those people. And I'm not saying, look at me, look how you know generous I am. I was one of them. The other podcast that I do personally is about wellness and nonprofits. So those are both kind of no brainers. I'm not expecting to monetize them. I just like helping people and providing them a forum because it was hard to get people in the door in the radio world and in the podcast world, even though it's a much smaller audience, I'm able to help them find that platform. But as far as business people, the why is just be passionate about what you do and it will help. It can't hurt you unless you go on and have some sort of profane tirade. Uh, if you offend somebody or something like that, that's one thing. But it's not a bad idea to have a platform for your, your cause, your nonprofit, your business, your creative endeavor, whatever it is. It's another platform if you can afford the time and effort. So that's kind of what I would suggest is make sure that you're passionate about it. And really, that's the why. That's the why for me, uh, as opposed to monetizing, because unless we've already got a platform, you know, like a Dak Shepard or somebody like that, where they plug in a podcast and, you know, millions of people have already heard of this person, it's really an uphill climb to try to monetize anything. So it's really just another marketing tool. As you mentioned, if you have a blog as well, it's kind of the new blog or the new blog supplement. Absolutely. And uh, I like what you're saying about the the love of it is the drive, is the focus behind it. I think the great thing about a podcast is it's niched really tightly. You know, it's an inch wide and a mile deep. And it has to be something that you will enjoy kind of swimming in that depth and exploring every inch as far down as you can drill it. I, I totally agree. And like, you know, you get to have cool conversations if it's interview and many of them are. And even if they're not guests come on, even if they're just, you know, mm -hmm. yucking it up as part of the, the crew, it'll 
allows you to interact with more people. I, you know, I love meeting interesting people and having conversations with them. Like, you know, this, even though this is something that we're both already into, I find the conversation engaging and, yeah. you know, it, you get inspiration out of it. Why not? You know, why not meet people, engage with people, find out new stuff, get new perspectives. It's, it all goes to feeding the curiosity and, and feeding your head. I love it. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting about podcasts with me. I've decided we're going to call you a audio storyteller. How's that right. for a title? Yeah, man. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Thank you for spending your time with me, Elizabeth Tolis, here in the Emerald office. If you want to hear, watch, read, and learn more about entrepreneurship, focus, and living a life of impact, I invite you to check out Full Focus Entrepreneur, where I coach small business owners to be more effective, more organized, more profitable, and more impactful. If you're interested in listening to more of me talking to myself and others, please check out the Emerald office where all the episodes for all of my podcasts can be found. Both the Emerald Office and Full Focus Entrepreneur, as well as my social media and the show notes, can be most easily found at elizabethtolis.com. And I want to specially thank Eric Tolis, who made the sweet backtrack you're listening to now, and Maria Carius, who made the beautiful artwork that graces this podcast's cover. A link to all of Maria's art can be found in the show notes.